Episode 328, The Rant. Rob Bruin, Board 42 certified basketball official and up-and-coming journalist. As an early supporter of the pod, this episode was a long time coming. In this wide-ranging podcast, we chop it up with Rob about his podcast, his favorite rapper, his experience at the Newhouse Schools at Syracuse University, his pandemic experience, and all things not officiating. All that and more, my conversation with Rob, now. The Rant has been brought to you by Geo Studios, now open. They are located one block south of Westbury Train Station in the heart of Long Island, New York. Looking to bring your art or event to life? Trying to record a podcast? Enjoy six rooms of studio space to create audio and visual content. It also includes an 800-square-foot cyclorama wall studio, a state-of-the-art recording studio, three breakout rooms for four to six people each, which include a green room and lounges, a quality surround sound with six speakers and studio lighting, and most importantly, two on-site restrooms. You know I need my restrooms. Book your space today. For more information, find us at geoevents.com. The Rant has been brought to you by The Irrefutable Magazine. Co-editor in design Kevin Sparrick and co-editor at large Ralph Fernolis decided to combine both of their talents in writing and illustrations to bring to you a new online experience from an official's perspective. They both ref, but it's deeper than officiating. They create art for all time. Do you think your brand would be a good fit for The Irrefutable Magazine audience? Want to advertise with us? Visit us at theirrefutable.com slash sponsors for more information. We are the irrefutable. Welcome to another edition of The Rant. I'm your host, Ralph the Ref. I'm with a super special guest, Board 42 certified basketball official, also a fellow journalist in this game. Yes, sir. Mr. Rob Bruin. Let's go, baby. So we're going to make this unconventional because I know we're talking. Yeah, you were it. like, yeah, let's make it unstructured and all that. Before we go on, we were talking right off air about... Drake and Jay-Z in a versus battle. And I want to hear your perspective of, because he, he already thinks that Drake's going to win. And, and me, I'm like the, the total Jay-Z nerd. But I also understand it's not my era anymore. So I don't I don't got the keys no, anymore. No, it still is your era. Because your era more so lasts forever. I feel like your generation gave the keys to my generation mm. when I think about it. You know what I mean? Because I think your era kind of somewhat struggling with technology in a way. That's a fact. To an extent. To an extent. I get technology. Mm -hmm. But the generation after mine, they're like, they're really into tech. Like too much. Algorithm and to the point where babies are playing with iPads at two and three. Mm -hmm. That's a little. Yeah, that's my kids. Awkward, yeah. So you think Drake would win? If we're talking about club bangers straight up, Mm. 20 songs. I think so because Jay Z's an acquired taste. What does that mean? He's Acqui- an acquired taste. I want. I want to hear what this means. When you say acquired taste, that means everybody may not be into you. Drake, they're both global. They're international, hundred percent as a whole. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of people where when Jay Z raps, you somehow need a pen and a pad sometimes to fully digest what he's saying. I know me, I haven't always been a fan of Jay. I appreciated Jay-Z more so as I got older. Yeah. Drake, off top, I mean, he's easy to digest. Not saying that his lyrics are dumbed down, but it's easier to get. But he's still very lyrical. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Listen, listen, I'll say that 
when So Far Gone came out, that definitely moved me because oh, yeah. as much as I like Jay-Z's wordplay and his vocabulary and his cadence and all that, a lot of the things, aside from just like having the mindset of just always succeeding, all that drug talk, I, I'm from Baldwin, bro. Like, that ain't me at all. I mean, I done seen some things. Like, I've seen a tech on a dresser when I was in seventh grade. One of my mans had one. But that's not my my reality. I'm not from Marcy. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But Drake, you know, when he goes, my ex sent a late night text and I don't know how to let go, go, go. And I felt everybody that. Everybody has an ex and it's been dark. I really felt that. And you've texted. Yeah. So, so ex. far gone for me was like, wow, this is amazing because he sang, he rapped. He said a lot of things that were relatable. I am definitely surprised that the longevity over and over again. Now we're talking, what, 12 years? I can't believe he's gone. That. My only knock on You're him. Surprised? No, 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 no. I'm surprised that in that moment when So Far Gone came out, I didn't know it was going to be sustainable. I didn't know it was going okay, to be a ball. Okay, in that moment, yeah. I'm surprised now. No, I'm not surprised at all now. Okay. I'm not surprised at all now because so he- I'm with you. I'm surprised. I was surprised then too. Yeah. Like, I didn't know he was going to play chess. And also, like, when, when Thank Me Later came out, I was like, this guy, can, he's, he's definitely on the he line between- 100%. You yeah. remember you remember that little, like, MTV thing they did and he heard the Kanye beat and went- yeah. How did I end up right here with you? He, fire. It is, but the way he was coming at it, I was at like, time, nah, son. I felt like I really started rocking with Drake when uh, he dropped Ransom mm. with Lil Wayne. Mm. That beat was fire. Yeah. I remember mm. I was in like 10th or 11th grade. See, this is also an interesting thing because it's a parallel universe. Like your 10th grade, 11th grade, that was the beats of like Drake coming up. Like, yeah. Reasonable Doubt came out when I was in ninth grade. So I feel the same way. I will say we talked off air about that Nipsey Hustle song with Jay-Z. I don't even know if they were in the studio at the same time, but or if they emailed it or they Zoomed it. I'm sure they emailed it. Yeah, they emailed it. But, you know, I I thought personally, when I heard Jay-Z's verse, I said, yo, he's still bodying Drake. Now, I'm not talking about popularity or anything like that. I'm just talking about lyrical wordplay. I'm with you. Okay. You're not convincing me. I'm with you. I'm just talking when we do verses... Everyone's sitting down. Yeah. Kids, your friends. Drake hands down. Let's just, let's just. It's going to break. First of all, it won't work because it, it would break the internet, I think. I'm with you on it that. It would be babyface levels. Is enough. Which is the one that was messed up? It was the uh, Teddy Riley one, right? And Nelly was messed up too with yeah. Chris. You know, oh, it was terrible. No, I think because he didn't have the right eye rig. <laughs> that <laughs> was a lack was of technology. Too. Because yeah, there were so many times, I think it was like, it sounded like it was on a speakerphone when it went, it sounded like a 40 beat. At least like two or three times. Luda's like, all right, watch watch this. Luda, it sounded yeah. so perfect, right? Yeah. yeah. So which one, was your, which one was your favorite verses? So far right now, um, that's a good question. I like that Beanie Man, Bounty Killer, man. That was fire. I was, was super dope. smack. That wasn't... <laughs> I'm just saying, it was like dead in the pandemic. Like there was nothing to look forward to. And I just remember when they when they came off and they were just giving out that energy, I was into it. You know what? My favorite is Fab and Jada. Okay. And I don't why because they were so fan. they were so smack. They were no, so smack. Fab was oh nah, Jada. Was, Jada was no, done. Jada was cooked. Jada was he was cooked. so cooked. He was. But the reason why Jada went in that as the underdog, and I'm gonna be 100 percent honest, I didn't know all the songs because he went gritty. He went all the way back. Mm-hmm. But. He was the underdog and he took it. And you could tell that Fab wasn't really prepared. Like, Jada really went in, in that situation like, yo, I'm about to win. Yeah. Like, I While know I'm drunk. y'all have Fab being the better artist. Mm. I'm about to win. Yeah. And he he stole that. I think he got a better voice in general. 
Iconic is Jada. So this is just like to me, I know that when I talk to you, we always talk about things that have nothing to do with refing. And I remember like one of the first times that we sat down, we were chopping it up with refing. And I met you at Island Garden. I was like, man, I see a young brother trying to get out there. But then I realized that you had so much more multidimensionality. And, you know, just to even think, I want to thank you, too, because I remember you were like one of my first podcast experiences. We pulled up to Smashburger. We did that thing. I don't know how it sounds. I don't know where it is, yeah. but do you remember that I, moment I when we did that? I what happened to that podcast. It's somewhere, man. It's, I, I'll <laughs> find real. it in the archives. But do you remember we were doing it? I had no idea what I was doing. No. I didn't know what you was doing. Yeah, I mean, it, it was all really, for me, just a matter of supporting. And I just wanted to be a part of it, you know, to just help get everything started. And I just remember how focused you are, like how you are with uh, plenty of adventures that you do. But what I really respected most about it, you said it and you got right to it. Mm. You know what I mean? And I, I think that it was dope just to see where you are right now and like, what you on, like 319? Yeah, right now? This, something crazy. This might be 320, whatever you drop it. And um, it's good, man. You're dedicated and I just I just really want to help. Yeah, to yeah. And, and I'll say that as much as, and you re-reminded me because we reconnected maybe about a month ago and we had this conversation. You was, it was like two in the morning and I remember somebody texting me and, and I apologize for anybody that was texting me. Ever since I got an iPhone 12, I just didn't save anything because... Oh, yeah, no, it's all good. Because you you know how it goes nah, with I the media. Up. You got the video. You got a four-gig file. You don't know where it is. Yeah. I don't want to end up mem- losing memory. So I just was like, you know what? I'm just going to purge myself from mm-hmm. everybody. So I see this link. It says, yeah, click on to our latest podcast. And I'm just like, Damn, who's spamming me with podcasts? Is it because I make a podcast and all that? Mm-hmm. So then... It was like, damn, man, you too big. T- I forget what you said, but I was like, I said, Ooh. damn, no hit back. <laughs> I'm like, it's like that. Oh, OK. So what I did was I clicked the link and I was like, oh, sh- oh, sh- it's Rob. Yeah. And I heard it, man. And, yo, I had like, I don't even know how I felt in that moment because you was really vibing with your boy, Troy. And, you know, going back to that time at Smashburger, it was sad because as close as I was getting to you trying to help you get you know, your footing, at least in Nassau County with refereeing, you was already talking about like, yo, can you help me without my personal statement for, for school? And, you know, just listening to the podcast and what you went through. And if you want to check it out, I'll definitely put it on a link. Um, It was called the last two years. Um, It has to be one of the most special things that you ever recorded. And, you know, I was just so happy and not surprised and not shocked, but just more so like, I can't believe you doing this too, man. Cause it's so it's not it's not anything I can really relate to anybody, you know. Just like being a referee and also just doing this podcast thing, but you just had like a completely different flavor. Do you remember that conversation that we had a month ago? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we all just time just works in mysterious ways. We all feel like we have it all planned out, and like everyone else through this pandemic, I've learned so much about myself. I learned. I mean, I've always been the type of person that pressure. I just operate better under it. But this was the type of space that I was in where the pandemic just forced me to be creative in ways that I didn't even know that I had. Mm. Right. So the first podcast I ever started really was just off the strength of me trying to get something done. So I'm in school, but I don't have anything that's my own at this time. And I'm looking towards getting a job soon. Right. But before even getting a job, I think it's important, which my guy Sharif D. King, shout out to him. He always um, explained to me that you should always have a piece of content for yourself. Like, it's cool if me and you collab on something, but 
is nothing like working by yourself. Yes. Because I don't have to worry about the other person's time in. I can just do it when I need to. Yeah. Right? At the leisure of your own time. So I just it just sparked something in me, man. And the hardest part that we all know is starting. Once you start, you meet people, you start reading things, and you would think that everything is all designed out for you, right? But it's all because you started. So, um, yeah, man, I'm just... I was just happy to record the last two years of my guy, Troy, because he's been through so much. Yeah. And um, I've always done the best I could to encourage him because he has a lot going on and everybody from the outside feels like he just has it together. And we're all works in progress, you know what I mean? And I have, you know, my own situation that I was going through as well, too. And sometimes we all work together when we just work together. You know what I mean? You going through something will help me just be better to you if I'm just being genuine. You know what I mean? So, yeah, that's that's just really, I was just being a good friend to him, and we just created that that good content. Yeah, and I'll even say that when we first met and we did that podcast, I felt like subconsciously it was like, oh, I, I'm, I'm kind of digging this, and, and I want to be kind of involved with this in some form or fashion. And, you know, just as you said that there's nothing better than having your own piece of content, yeah. I can completely relate to that because it took me about 70 episodes to be like, you know what, I need to just, I need to just write this ship you know what I mean? I, I need to produce my own videos, shoot my own videos, Everything. direct my own videos, because when you're beholden to somebody and you got a deadline for yourself, your self-imposed deadline, and somebody got a job and they can't do it, it's like, I need to just do this all and myself. it's not even intentional. Right. Right? It's it wasn't like, it's even, like yeah. I'm at work. It's like, I hear you at work, but I'm trying to get this done by 12 p.m. You're right. like, yeah, but I'm not free till 4. All right, cool. Don't even worry about it. I got Yeah, it. yeah. It's not something that you can get mad. And, you know, I want to go back to those last two years, that podcast, man. I'll just tell you what I felt, man. Yeah, First of all. initial thoughts on that? Oh, man. So I, I think it was more like it was, it felt like a, a big boulder that going down the mountain because it was like, wow, that went down and then that went down and that went on. down and that went down. And it was like, I think the moment where I paused it and I was like, I need to hit Rob up now. I don't care if it's 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. And and listen, anybody that gets the chance to listen to him, it's a it's a podcast with him and his boy Troy Rose, who both went to Newhouse at Syracuse mm-hmm. University, one of the most prestigious journalism degrees that you can possibly get. Um, you know, it's cool for me because I went to graduate school for journalism at Hofstra right down the block. And, you know, I could I could really identify of, you know, not getting your voice. I remember we would have to do those packages. And I didn't even know that you had to like be behind the camera and edit it. Just this is all like new and then you have to compartmentalize your words. You got to like press the self timer, you know, make sure that you're on. And it's like, this is not how I talk. You know what I mean? This is not really By my the voice. Time you get to stand in front of the camera. You're acting weird. Yeah. No, 100 yeah, percent. You're like, just setting mm-hmm. up this moment. And something that um, I'll just say real quick is that something that I'm glad my teacher instilled in us was to not use a microphone, which is what you see a lot of reporters do. We use the lavalier mic, clip it on. And you can use your hands. Just relax. Right. Don't make it so this. Just holding the mic to your mouth like that. It it looks staged mm. in a way. Mm. You know. So it's the biggest word throughout journalism that I've gotten is conversational. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So and I, to I mean like how you would tell somebody else's story, but with the splash of some intellect. Right. You know, right. Gotta hit me with the nah mean. You know what I mean. <laughs> no. Tell me what you're yeah. saying. Right? Yeah. Tell me what you mean. Please. So. Back to what your question was, what was my initial thoughts? Um, first of all, I thought it was well put together. Just on a podcast to a podcast person, mm-hmm. how you guys were both put together. 
whatever music that was going in the back. I was Fine, like, yeah. what is I can't even Shazam this because y'all talking too much. I need to find out what song this is because I, I just thought that whole thing was just really dope. But, you know, just to, I feel like it connected the dots for me because I know just thinking for me, I'm like, yo, you know me. Like, I'm the cheat code when it comes to this reffing thing in Long Island. I'm like, why wouldn't you want to do that? So for me, it was perplexing in my mind why you wanted to go to school. So it, for me, it filled in the blanks of like, you know what, if I was in that situation, I would go to that school too. So once I heard... <laughs> This, this is my favorite part because you were talking about, yeah, I got into school. You know, I wrote the essay. You was able to get into school. Your first week was, you know, your whole DWI, um, your boy Troy that you met over there. And I, and I understand what it's like to have one of those intense programs and how close you get to with other people. You know, him going through his whole thing with the cancer and then the other cancer and then him breaking his foot while y'all were playing ball. Like, I felt that because it's like when it rains, it pours. And there's nothing better for somebody to be there for you to experience it. And also to just say that it's okay because, you know, I was even telling this to my boy the other day, yo, you can't, you can't ever feel like success or being happy if you don't know what the other end does, Mm -hmm. but you also have to be in the moment to know that all of that is still temporary. But my favorite thing was when I spoke to you on the phone and you were like, yo, there's only like 30 people that get into this. So I went from work I worked overnight and I drove all the way to Syracuse, New York oh, yeah. and saw the admissions officer or whatever because I'm not going to let them decide and not meet Rob Bruin. <laughs> I'm, I'm built like that, bro. Now, please tell me <laughs> tell me what that that experience was like getting off of work. Did you get like a good night's sleep before you went over there? So I, I used to work midnights at DHL at JFK Airport for those that know about it. I usually work from 12.15 a.m. to 8.45 a.m., right? I already had connected with the sports director. Shout out to Olivia Stomsky. And we were just going back and forth, back and forth, trying to get connected. And something told me once I figured out the number of people that got into the program. Matter of fact, I'm lying. I I found that out after the fact. Um, I just knew the weight that that school really like lived out to. Like I know the weight. It's Newhouse. Yeah. Like it's one. It's like it's LeBron James. Right. Right. So it's Marv Albert. Listen, it's Bob Costa. It's it's the who's who of everyone that's on on TV. Poison, right? Yeah. So, just through networking and knowing how to utilize my resources, I knew that I had to do something to set myself apart. How many people are applying to this program? Right? Everybody's not going to be able to come to see the director. I mean, even if it was two hundred people, that's still way more than that's what they're accepting. Crazy. Right? Two hundred people, and I know it ain't two hundred. It's probably twenty thousand. So I applied and, and, and by all means I applied on the day of, let's be very clear. Like the deadline was January 15th. Now that was by design. I don't even know. Or was that like, Oh, I need to do this. That was the pressure because after me and you were going back and forth and as well as like, you know, you helped me with the personal statement. We were going back and forth, sending the feedback. You were like, you need to tweak this part. And I said, no, I'm going to keep this part after that. it, It took time. And I just, you know, I sent it in the day of, I felt fine about it, but I'm getting back to it. I just knew that if I got in the room with the sports director, I was going to make sure that she remembered me, whatever I had to do. So long behold, I get up there and the meeting is cut short. So the drive is about four and a half hours. So I drive up. It was like eight to two, probably. You were speeding? Nah, I took my time. Yeah? You weren't tired? Nah, man. I just... Were you you anxious during it? Were you listening to Drake? 
<laughs> like, what were you doing? I don't, I don't remember what I was listening to, but I definitely made a playlist before, though. I definitely made a playlist. New House or Die Trying? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Um, but, yeah, I just, you know, I got to meet her, and I got there a little early, so I got to, you know, get myself together, and we sat down, we spoke. We were supposed to talk for an hour. She cut the meeting short. So in my She mind, had to do something? Yeah, something happened with her sister, and she had to go handle that. So, I mean, that was cool. I think everything happened by design, and um, I just know that I had to make sure she put a face with the name, mm. right? And I explained to her, like, this is my situation. I'm driving up there. I have to be back to work by such and such time. So after the meeting with her, we probably met, like I said, for 45 minutes. I stayed up there till about 7 and sat in on the class and then drove back to work. And I was in my parking lot at work by like 11.45 and just worked the next shift. Now, did, now did, were you telling your coworkers like, yeah, I just went to Syracuse? Or nah, were you like... It's none of their business. <laughs> nah, for real. That's really amazing, that's man. That's none, that's none of their business. I think that's so amazing and commendable because like you crystallize in your mind, that's what you wanted to do. And there was nothing that was going to stop that from happening. Um, you know, just the initial times of like listening to that and then speaking to you after that, I know that you paid to me like the highest compliment of like... You know, I didn't go to school the way you went to school, but I'm still here the same way you are. What made you say that to me? Um, you talking about in terms of you going to me? No, when you were saying like, I mean, you already here, like you already doing it. Uh, well, because I, I would like that formal training. I mean, look, I already went to journalism school, but like, oh, I want to oh, go I to. What you saying? I want to go to Newhouse. I want to see what that's like. I mean, by all means, I, I don't know. I think you're older. I think you have a lot of different things going on. So I would never. Discourage you not to go if you felt like that. Oh, was I'm right. not saying I'm going. <laughs> I know. I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm if, not going. If you wanted to go, it's a it's a beautiful experience. But sometimes real life experience, it tends to set you apart, right? So when I went back to school, it wasn't anything to be cocky about, but I was different because it doesn't matter that I wasn't in the journalism world before. I know how to move within a corporation. Mm. These young kids are very eager to win, right? At any expense, anybody, anything, right? And you have to understand if you step on people to get places, that energy is just going to come right back to you. Oh yeah. Right? You know what I'm saying? So That's always like a temporary victory to me. It is, but sometimes it's it's a space for other people that you can look at where it lasts for a really long time. Mm. Where in the back of your mind, you might not be angry, but you're saying to yourself, he's going to get his. And he could be on a grind for like a good 15-year stretch. But when he hits rock bottom, he hits, right? So I just knew that stepping into school, my dynamic and my energy that I was bringing was different because I help you out. I don't mind, but I'm not stepping on anybody in here to win because what's for me is for me. There's nothing personally in your power that you can do to keep me from getting to where I need to go. Mm. Like, you could do, you can make a call. You could be the vice president. You could be the president, the CEO, if you want. You can't keep me from where I need to be. Right. That personal experience that you shared with Troy, was it something that y'all were getting at each other, like just on the competitive spirit tip of school? Or was it something that you guys like shared that moment and, and try to work in concert with each other to help each other? In terms of us like meeting up at school? Yeah, just I'm talking about like just going through the program. Oh, uh, with me and Troy, it's never been really competitive energy, though. Like, the only time I could say that we legitimately compete is when we're testing each other on, on the podcast in terms of takes. But that's a that's an organic relationship. You know what I mean? Like, there's nothing that I can say that I've honestly ever 
just wanted from Troy because of who he is. Like, we've been friends. I'll give you a quick story. Um, we're going to cover the Syracuse Mets, right? And we're driving to the game because we had to cover it. And I just kept noticing that he kept saying, my uncle works at ESPN. My uncle works at ESPN. Like, he's not just, like, saying it to brag or anything, but he keeps saying it, right? And you know how, like, when you're, I notice things, like, when you meet new people, people like to reinvent themselves, and this person did this, and this person did that, right? So, wait, his uncle works at ESPN? Hold on, let me get to that. (laughs) (laughs) So, we're riding to the game, and he says it again. Like, yeah, that's not how they do that. My uncle works at ESPN. I'm like, Troy, why are you lying, bro? We could, we still going to be friends. <laughs> like, you don't have to lie to... Who's your uncle, bro? Tell me who your uncle is. He's like, Jalen Rose. I'm like, oh, my God. And you're like, oh, how long, how long have you been doing this, this? I'm like, Troy. Come on, bro. And this, you knew his last name was Rose, right, at this point? It doesn't matter. To me, in that moment, it doesn't matter. Right. And to me, I'm like, why is he lying? I really think he's lying. Mm. I'm not really thinking about what Jalen Rose looked. None of that. So, um... He pulls out a picture, and I said, oh. Okay. Your uncle works at ESPN. Your uncle works at ESPN. <laughs> <laughs> but that's one of the funniest stories that we share because it just, so far where we came from, it's just it's just crazy how we just, like, really grown for real. I also think that's why he rocks with you because, like, as I was listening to that podcast, it's as if you, he didn't say in the beginning that his uncle works at ESPN. Nah, so when not- you're listening to it, you're like, okay, he's a man. He's went through some things. You've went through through some things, and y'all went through some things together. Yeah. And just listening to it, and it, like, dawned on me because, you know, I know Jalen Rose from a different context. Like, I was in fifth grade when the Fab Five was popping. Fire. I was in seventh grade when he was wearing that zoot suit Fire. at the NBA draft. I read his book when I was, like, a 33-year-old man. And, you know, just to see his evolution of reinventing himself. Super dope. Is, is great. And you would never think... Because I, I also think that he's like a student of the Bill Simmons tree, right? So mm. you could tell like there's a, a bit of fandom, but he's a super fan because he used to be an athlete at the highest level. So his, the way he says things, it's a much better perspective than like an analyst that didn't play or, you know, a journalist that only covers and no disrespect to anybody. But, you know, like I remember he used to do this bit on ESPN of like champagne and campaign and like, you know what I mean? Like, they live in Atlanta, so you already know what they're doing at night. But, like, that's so real. That's, like, what, what his NBA experience was. And also just to update his firmware and to just know, like, what other people are doing. To me, he's, like, the godfather of, like, the bridge between the NBA players now and the journalists, you know? Like, mm-hmm. because... Kind of open up that gap. Yeah. Access is a lot different now because, like, when you're a normal conventional journalism with the fedora and and just the it's microphone... It's a different ballgame. Right. So if you have somebody that, you know, not only... um covers it but also done more the zoot suit for for the draft it's like it, it, it's a different you know feeling of, of being comfortable in that now as you knew that I think that's probably why he took a step to you because you weren't making that a big deal in the beginning you like Troy for Troy is, yeah. is that accurate to say yeah, absolutely because you you got to understand like me already I'm already my mind is already going like okay I can understand how people would probably treat him I would never really want him to feel that way, but we just generally just started kicking it, bro. Like, literally just really vibing out. Like, we would all go back to his crib, chill after school, 
get our work done, do what we needed to do. And it was just an organic relationship that continued to build. And after he got hurt, I think that's really when our relationship grew because when you're not around, it's kind of like out of mind, out of sight, Mm. you know? So I did my best to keep him in the loop with everything because I knew he was trying to come back to school in January. Mm -hmm. So it was just a lot of work. Right. And I knew that if he just came back to school, cold Turkey, that it would be tough for him. So I knew what he was going through with his ankle. I've never been injured in any magnitude like that. So I couldn't even really fathom what he was really going through. So I said, you know what? The least I could do is, you know, talk to him and just let him know what's going on. It's it's up to him what he wants to do, but I don't want him to come back here and at least say that he's not aware of what's going on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So let's even fast forward to January. He comes back. And two months later, the coronavirus happens, which is like inexplicable for me to think about that you're at the pinnacle of graduate school. A great exp- and listen, I was I was watching your Instagram stories. Pissed, bro. This guy's at the Carrier Dome on the yeah. floor. Yeah, I was showing. Like, that. wow, this is like it looks like it's so enjoyable, and you know, as much as I was like thinking selfish of like, nah, I want this my to be my man, refing and all that, like. Once I saw all that, I was like, nah, that's a higher purpose. And also me growing into the podcast host that I am, I'm like, why would I devoid, why would anyone want to devoid you of that experience other than COVID-19? So I'd be interested to hear, and I I did hear um, a bit of the podcast of like what you were going through, but you know, I think that as much as it was a pivotal time for you to be in school and to learn all these things, I felt like that just got cut short because I know how the the lifeblood of that school Mm -hmm. is the carrier dome. Is South Campus is all of the lively things that happen, and it's so cold. Like you know, what I'm saying. I, I remember I, up there. my best friend. Uh, shout out to John Goose. He's he's my best friend. He was a senior when Carmelo Anthony was a freshman. So his right. last year was it. that turn up. And I remember going here, and I think when I when I went to go visit, it snowed like two feet, and I mean it was plowed like within two hours. It was it was crazy. They like how they need out there. how clockwork it was. Oh, but yeah. what was that experience like? You know, going through those beats and, you know, in the beginning of the pandemic when the NBA shut down, where, where were you in that moment? And, and then what was school like after those moments? So to be clear, when the entire world shut down, I remember, I believe if I'm, I'm going to say it was like March 9th or March 10th, I believe. No, actually, the tournament started March 9th and yeah, it was March 11th, I believe. And I literally had reposted that like the Big Ten, the Big East Conference, all had shut down, right? But I was so tired that I didn't recognize that I had just reposted the news. <laughs> I just reposted it. Right. Like, I'm gonna just go to sleep real quick and go back because mm-hmm. I was at the ACC tournament. That was a fire experience, by the way, huge. huge. And this was before there was social distancing and all that. That oh, was yeah, like- no. This is in the midst of when everything is literally about to start because I went to um, the Greensboro Coliseum to. Um, listen to the ACC, um, I'm trying to think, the the director. He just had a a press conference and just let everybody know what was going on. And within an hour, Florida State took the tournament home, right? That quick. And in that moment, I'm trying to digest what's really happening, but never in a million years that I think that the world was about to shut down right. to that degree, Right. So it was cool just being able to do like live reporting and all of that, but nobody cares about that. Our lives are literally about to shift now. It's a good memory to have, but 
this pandemic has been tough, man. Mm. It just it's just hard because you could say our school experience literally stopped early March. You know, we didn't go back into the studios at all. It was just it like was, you ain't even go back. Nah, like I haven't I haven't been back in Newhouse since March. Damn. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, that was it. I don't I don't even think I ever. Initially, after the ACC tournament in Greensboro, mm-hmm. when it did get shut down for two uh, two weeks, did you think like two weeks and then we, we back to normal? Or like, did you have a sinking feeling after the two weeks? Like, oh, yeah, we're I might uh, never come back here. Nah, I'm not going to lie to you. People started dying fast. So I got scared. I, I didn't think that we were going back right away because as soon as I got back to Syracuse, we got that email saying that school was remote for the rest of the semester. So, oh, okay, this this is serious. Right. So after that, I just knew that it was a lot of adjusting that was about to happen. So you came back to the crib? No, I stayed in Syracuse for a month. Then I came, I came back down here to check on my family. Then I went back up. I had to, you know, just readjust, just get myself together and just get in that creative bag. And just that's when I really started pumping out content like crazy. So everything was remote and you graduated remote? Like that's... Absolutely. Damn. So my name on the screen, all that. I'm sorry to hear that, man. I mean, it's it's a part of the struggle, but yeah. I mean, the next class is about to have a graduation, so somebody got to go through it. You can't like re-graduate. You can't like. No, I graduated, bro. <laughs> At least you got the video, right? Yeah. You got the video or not? What video of me? What of you uh, walking or walk. popping your I didn't head pop out? Anything? You I was downstairs like in my basement. No. That's so strange, man. That's so, you don't find that strange? Oh no, it's very strange. <laughs> I'm, but strange is the new normal. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So class of 2020 is a class that's going to be in history. Like, my kids are going to read about this in the e-books. Like, in the e-books. In the this e-books. Guy. Yeah, it's not going to be textbooks. So I'll just even tell you, like, where I was a year ago at this time. I remember, so if we're, we're taping this on April 2nd, um, when I was yeah, at like, that- Yeah, where exactly were you at? When I was at that point, I'm like, so I make referee rent and refing doesn't exist. Like sports doesn't exist, and you know that. What what was what was life? Life was for me CNN, Donald Trump on at six. Mm. I just want to see what's popping. That's I didn't care about sports, and it was nothing. There's no basketball, nothing. definitely no reffing. And you could see my baseball schedule. Just you you could see the arbiter going red, 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 red. Yeah. My lacrosse, red, 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 red. No flag football, and we don't know when it's gonna start. So I'm thinking like, okay, so I got all this momentum. I'm at like episode 150 or whatever. And what am I going to do with this? Like, what, I can't, I can't do those. And just like you were saying, like, you know, when you were telling me, have you ever thought about having something that's not as scripted? That was my shtick. You know what I'm saying? Like, where are you in your reffing career? Everyone's going to say the same thing. There is no reffing. But you know what really, I guess like what really unlocked in my head was like, you know what, there's all these other refs that yeah let's get these stories and to me like the genesis of of saying like well i'm not a ref now and you're not a ref now and we're united in refing like that's the reason what we're doing right like we we're both refs technically but i mean to me it's like we have a deeper relationship than that we do we have different stories so i think that was like the turning point for me where i was like okay so how are you doing this in this pandemic how are you perceiving this information what is it like not refing what are you going to do now what is our future and I think what we learned about this year, more than any other year, is that everything is fluid, right? I'm not going to be surprised if, if you said today, oh, um, 
contact tracing hit me. I can't do anything for ten days, and that's like that's legit. Like that's legit. Yeah, that's that's legit. You saying that you came back home and you you graduated digitally? That don't sound crazy to that's me. Legit. Unfortunately, right? So you know, going back those times of, I know for me, something just like unlocked inside of me. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna talk to everyone because yeah. everyone's available. You know what I mean? So I stopped thinking of it as like a negative thing and I started thinking of it as like, no, this is a beneficial thing. When was your moment when you started locking in and like really pumping out the things that you were pumping out? Yeah, that that's a great question because I was in a slump when I got home like that first two to three weeks of school was it was tough because being in your room is not what I signed up for. Like I I paid to my tuition to go into the classroom, have everything that I needed to be accessible to me mm-hmm. and I needed to use that, right? So it was just hard to concentrate. But after a while, I just told myself, you know what? What if this pandemic doesn't end for like the next two to three years? Literally, like what if this just doesn't end for a while? I mean, we're not too far from two years. Okay, so my point is, what's next? Like instantly, what's next and what are you going to do to change this? I go on LinkedIn, I start sending out messages like crazy. And like I said, the hardest part is to start. Little by little, I start connecting with some frat bros and I start connecting with professionals in my field and all of that leading up to me being able to create something I had called the Rob Tour. I ended up going to Houston for a week and I went to LA for five weeks, right? So I just started betting all on myself. And I mean, I'm not thankful for the pandemic, but I'm thankful for what it instilled in me. Right. Right. Yeah, and I was going to say, I feel the same way as you. I am not thankful for the pandemic, but also at the same time, every negative consequence has an opposite positive benefit. You just have to find it. You can always find it. And of course, this is something that, you know, there's a lot of death involved. There's a lot of sickness involved. But at the same time, it's it, it, to me, it's always like a necessity of some sort of invention, some sort of innovation. And to me, that that has happened with at least referee rant. I mean, like things have just like went crazy. I mean, the fact that I'm speaking to you is amazing, right? And I want to get into your experience uh, making podcasts because I'm pretty sure it's a lot different than than me. Yeah, I mean, well, first I just want to say I'm proud of you, bro. I love what you're doing. And just seeing the the beginning from where you started and where you are now. Oh, I with think, the electro voice and all that? I mean, nah, all of this is cool, <laughs> but you're, you're the energy and the, and the mind behind all of this. So mm. I think that... It's important that, like I told you before, I asked you, I said, yo, do you, do you really feel like you're going harder? Is this taking a lot out of you? He said, nah. I said, that's why I went back to school. Damn. Right? So it it's a whole nother element now, just like how Mr. B can say, well, what will you do if you get a $20,000 um, sponsor? Uh, sponsor. Mm-hmm. What you going to do? He's like, oh, I didn't even. But the thing is, we have to think like that now because you can get that 20K. And that 20K turns into something else because then now you invest or you start your own podcast network, right? So to the point where, not saying that refereeing isn't important, but it's a lot of legwork. And I'm not saying that it's not a beautiful thing because by all means, I still love ref. Yeah, I was going to say, is that breaking news like you're not going to ref no more? I would still, I I got hit up like two days ago to go ref. When was the last time you did ref? Actually? Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) I still remember everything, though. The first pandemic? Yeah. Before the first impeachment? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it's been a while. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm sure you'll 
absolutely. I see easily. your name at the Island Garden list. Easily. I mean, I could just pop you in there if yeah, you want. Easily 365 days for sure. Okay. Well, I mean, look, that's, uh, I don't know. I, I think for me and you, like, I see your creative energy. I see what you can do on the mic, man. Um, what was it like your first experience, like, being at the helm of a podcast? Because, you know, just like you said about making that package, it's it, all, all of that stuff the semantics of it all, like setting up the camera, making sure the lighting's right, putting it's a lavalier cool. mic, it's cool. But when you press record... It's time. When that red light come on, oh, man. it's on. And also, just trying to identify and figuring out your voice in real time. Like, hi, this is Rob Bruin, and I'm here at the Carrier Dome, and it's, it's like... not Rob Bruin. Exactly. It's not Rob So Bruin. talk about your first experience making a podcast. Well, first, I'll say, the first time I made a podcast, it might sound a little generic, but I felt free in a way, because it just felt like it was me right the reason why i struggled so much while i was at syracuse was because i was trying to be my voice i couldn't find it i was trying to be somebody that i was not be somebody i was trying to use a voice because i was always me i was trying to use a voice that wasn't me but what who told you or what told you what informed you that your voice wasn't good enough your it's, swagger wasn't good it's enough it's not a matter of what somebody told me it's me looking at what my peers were doing mm. And that's something that you should never get caught up in. Oh, no. You know what I mean? And But the thing is this. I was so new to journalism and I was still myself. But that's the first time in my life that I didn't feel confident. Like, I would get nervous. Like, I don't even have sweaty hands, but my hands would sweat before the red light would come on. It just, that was maybe one of the second times that I have just felt completely out of my element. But from the inside, I was built for it. Yeah. Right? So it's like somebody where, like, he's going to have longevity in that, but he's going to have to work hard. Mm. Right? So um, the first time I shot a podcast, it just, it was organic. That's just the best way to, to, to explain it. And I felt like it was me. Right? And I know for sure that my voice is what it is now because of podcasting. Everything I learned from Newhouse, I tweaked it and I put it into me. Right, like I was doing this weird voice that I used to do. I was like, "Can I hear it?" No, I can't do that. I you can't even do, do it anymore. I, I wouldn't even do that anymore. It's bad. Like it was like I was mixing refing. <laughs> it was. It was like, "Hi, I'm Robert Bruin from." It's like why it felt uncomfortable, literally in my voice box. Yeah, literally. So my teacher would be like, "Rob, calm down. Like relax." And you like, I am relaxed, but I'm not relaxed. Right. So she's just talk to me. And I would feel, I was so insecure about my voice. I didn't feel like my voice was enough, mm. which is why when I got in front of the camera, I didn't feel like it would hit. So I would say, I'm going to say, man, really after February, that's when I really started to lock in and I was just okay with my voice. And I knew that as long as I said the full word and spoke in an intellectual way, I'm good. Yeah. Now, do you, is it something that you write notes and you got it? You kind of just go piece by piece with topics, or do you just kind of like go freestyle? And you kind of have a yeah. When you do a podcast, oh no, nah, I'm, I'm a huge researcher, huge researcher. So I definitely have my topics and I have my questions that I want to hit. Um, I don't care if I hit all the questions because there's a lot of times where you sit down and you have a conversation and. We um, somebody told me something. Uh, shout out to my guy Mark Watts. It's called pounce words. There's something that you should say. It should send off a red light to me for me to jump on that. Mm. Right. So there's a lot of times where you might come into an interview and you have your own plan. 
not saying I have my own plan, but I said something to you that wasn't on your paper. But if you're so focused on your notes, you miss that. Yeah. And what I'll tell you about that is that's where I come in. Because before I even speak to anybody, if I can, I always look them up, try to find out what I can. But those questions that you don't double down on, I have a whole nother interview because you didn't lock in. Mm. There's always a a time where you watch an interview and you say, you'll literally say the next question. And then they don't say it. And you're like, (laughs) right? So now when I get to sit down with you, I get to lock in on that. Yeah. That's true. That's true. I I, I never thought about that. that. It's frustrating. You know what's crazy now? I'm at the point, like I'm, I'm at a level of like notoriety that when I do sit down with somebody, you could see that they're visibly nervous. And I, I don't know what to do with that because I'm like, bro, it's, I'm still the same person. It's not you, though. It's the setup. It's this. It's the way of, the voice sounds. I mean, it sounds good in the headphones, but a lot of people say, oh, yeah, 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 I'm down to do it. Yeah, and then they go, I'm like, oh, I don't know, man. This is a lot. Or you could tell somebody, you know what? Just record yourself for 30 seconds. Mm. And watch yourself back. Oh, man, I, I can't. They'll do that 30 second video so many times. Yeah. This is this is way harder than oh this looks, is bro. this is this but giving up is way harder than <laughs> trying I'll tell you that much it's a fact this is it, it is a very difficult thing what do you think you learned about yourself being a podcast host and and just like really immersing yourself in the world I really learned how um, as my guy Chris Laplaca would say how intensely curious I am mm. right I don't mind asking the next question but I also read body language well too. Right. So if you tell me that you didn't want to talk about something or I don't ever want to make somebody feel uncomfortable. Right. I'm not just going to ask you the question because I need it and I want my viewers to to see it. If the person doesn't want to answer you, they're not going to answer you. No matter how many different types of ways you ask the question, they're not going to answer it. So you're not going to try to just do alternative means and try to figure out a different way to say it. I'm going to see you can slip. I'm going to say it a different way, but you have to pay attention to the person if they're not. If they're not biting. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because they're telling you indirectly that I don't want to answer that or I'm giving you just this. Mm. Like, that's all you're getting. Yeah. And I learned sometimes that you got to be okay with that because it's it's okay for us to build this rapport because you'll be back. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. I'm not even going to ask you the conventional referee things of like, because that's not. if you want. Nah, I'm, I'm. You sure? Yeah, because you sure you don't want to do two. I made a well. I, I will do the part two where we're we're doing. Where did you grow up? Where did you play? I will do all that later. But you know, I I think for me, I always find you as and and I'll just tell you this just from our conversations. You know, our first conversation that we had a smash burger. Now, matter of fact, before that, the Chick Fil A one. Mm-hmm. That shit went like four hours long, and then I I thought it was going to because I just. I just enjoyed speaking to you. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't because of like you were saying anything backbreaking that I didn't know. It was just the way you said it and the angle in which you said it. So I'll give you an example. When we reconnected a month ago over the phone and you were saying like, yo, are you really going as hard as you can? Yo, I really thought about it. Like, you didn't even think about it. I, I never think of it like, like I'm, I'm going hard. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm going very hard, but I'm not, I'm not nearly going as hard as I know I can. And like, that was like a, a crazy thing to hear from me because 300, 300 episodes in and you ain't even. Yeah. And I'm about that. And I'm pretty successful. Like it, it's killing, but like, you're right though. You're right. But There's more that I can it's, give. It's different. Like this type of work isn't the same as running up and down a court. Mm. Right. So it's either you're going to use your back or you're going to use your brain. It's one of the two. Right. So when you're physically doing something, that's you're fatigued. If you do 10 games in a day, 
you know, say hello to your wife and your kid, and you're just trying to relax. But this, it's a different type of exercise. Yeah. As long as I do my research and I know what I'm talking about, we can do this all day. Mm. All day. Not yeah. to mention the type of money you could make from this when the pieces really hit. I feel like we got to we gotta do a podcast together or something. Let's do it. <laughs> He's like, where am I going to fit that in? So I want you to hijack the podcast because I know you have some good questions that you want to ask me. And I don't know. I don't, I don't really give up the reins on, on the rant, but... <laughs> F it, it's my man's. Uh, so, through everything that you've done so far, mm-hmm. what would you say you're most impressed by that you've accomplished? I'm most impressed that everyone is into it as much as they are. And and I'll just say it like this. like It'll be a situation where I hear a connecting like, oh, this person hit me up because I didn't mention him as a mentor. I went, oh, man. like People are really listening. And then there was this one moment early on where somebody we were at like a like a board 41 dinner and fabian who was on the show like early early on somebody was like hey what kind of dog do you have and it was like where did that come from he's like i heard a dog barking on the podcast so i'm just like man people really listen to it and i can't believe how long i went without this professional equipment but that's also a testament of like how locked in i was of just like trying to keep it going but what i'm most impressed for me, at least, is the chain that I built, the 300 plus episodes that I made. Because, you know, I, I know, and you probably know too, because once you have a level of like doing it, like for sustained that amount rhythm. of time, it's like, okay, you have some sort of code that you understand like how this goes. Like right. you must know this secret that not everyone knows. And just like you said, you just have to start and you just have to keep that momentum and you have to be intrinsically motivated that you want to keep it going, right? So I know for me, if I didn't post something for four months, everyone's going to hit me up like, what's wrong? Mm-hmm. Are you good? Yeah. You're not into it no more? It now. You know, like now, I, it's like I couldn't even stop if I wanted to. Like I just, really? I just, oh, I guess I could, but no, maybe I, I don't want to though. But you get what I'm saying. Like I'm coming from a different place of like, I already know people going to think something's wrong with me if I stop. And that's like, like to me, that's a, that's a weird feeling. It's a weird pressure. I don't feel pressure. You know what I'm saying? Cause I'm, I, I, I turned these out, but just the fact that it got to that point, I, I think is probably the, the biggest thing. And also, you know, you never think about like everyone wants to network, right? Everybody wants to connect. But like to me, this whole, the way that it's connecting, like for me to give somebody a platform and be able to tell their story, I think it's important for me. And the biggest thing that I always find in this podcast is that I sat down with Rob Bruin on April 2nd, 2021. Whether I don't talk to you for a month or two years, and you come back on the podcast three years later, if you re-listen to this, I know where I was in this moment in time, and I know where you are in this moment in time. And to just digitize that, to keep that for posterity, I think to me that's an important thing because, you know, everyone always says like how great Jesus was. I don't see the receipts, bro. Like I see the New Testament, it got written a hundred years later by somebody else. Mm. Abraham Lincoln, I can see the receipts. Because I can see his journal. But I can see the receipts of, of me and you because, like, I'm talking to you and I'm we publishing this. we putting it out there. And, you know, I think there was a, a big mind shift for me. I want to say about six years ago. I read this book by Seth Godin called The Icarus Deception. Okay. Have you ever heard of this book? Mm-mm. It's about how artists are different now. Before, people used to have to get chosen, right? If you're a radio personality, you have to pull up to WQHT Hot 97 and give it your best shot because you have to get picked. Right. But now, you choose yourself. Things are flipped. 
Yeah. You can make your own thing. And since we're in this moment of having taken the reins of our creative freedom, you have to ship. Because I know for somebody like you and I, it's a travesty if you don't share this. Mm. And I learned that from, I used to write all this poetry and I just left it on my bookshelf. I ain't letting anybody see it. So then somebody would be like, yo, what are all those books? They're like, what is that? You're like your old school books? And I'm like, no, that's all poetry. And they read it like, that's like, what is this? Why, why aren't you not sharing this? And I'm like, eh, I don't know. It's for me. But I think that like, to me, that's the biggest travesty of an artist when they don't share their gift. You know what I'm saying? So that that's what I, I hope that answered your question. Yeah, no, you definitely did. But I think um, you just scratch your creative, your creativity in a different way. Mm. Um, everybody uses that term all the time, storytelling. Everybody wants to be a storyteller, this person is a storyteller. But, I mean, the fact that we just have that unique space to do it in our own type of way, I think is really what makes podcasting so dope, right? Like Joe Bunnett says, this it's a white-hot space right now. Mm-hmm. And sooner or later, these businesses are going to figure out how to monetize this, and it's going to close, right? So I think that it's a good time that you, you got in on this because you can just really double down on it. You can do everything creatively that you want to do with it. And um, I would just encourage you to be tired. <laughs> be tired with it. Just just see where you end up. Mm. Just try it. So just go hard. Go, go even harder. I mean, like I said, it, it depends on what you want. It depends on what you really see. Because if you really believe that, you know, you have the right marketing tools and the podcast is growing the way that you want to, why not be all in on it? Yeah. Because I'm at the point in time in my life now where I have to be all in on myself, like in a different way. Mm -hmm. Like the confidence has to be crazy, right? Where you might be so sold out on something that I feel like your goals now have to make no sense. That's how uncomfortable we have to be now. I'm going to write that down today. I'm gonna write down real. my goals and I'm gonna show it to you. Nah, don't even show it to me. Just do it. Just so, do, so do we it. could just talk three years later and find just out that it. you. I'm in Thailand right now, <laughs> covering crazy. covering the NFL. You never know. You just I don't even know what time stuff. zone it is. I mean, but this this is what this has created now. Mm. And, and so the craziest thing about this for me, and I, and I will get right back to you, is that purple podcasting app has been on my phone for years, mm. and I never tapped it. Still, no, oh. obviously. <laughs> but um, I just think that is so crazy that I would always look at I know, the right? podcast and I right I under your nose, right under your nose, and it's been around for years yeah, since like oh seven years. It was like one of the original apps on yes. the iPhone. It came with the phone. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's you a crazy think about that. So like that just shows you like you just got to be observant. Holding something in your hand for three years and you didn't even know it was there. Right. That's on you. It's like Bill Cosby. You slip Molly in the drink and you didn't even know it. Oh, I don't even know. <laughs> Get me on here for that. All right. What else you got? <laughs> um, Give me five people that if you could set it up, you would interview. Oh, man. Dead or alive? And that's off 1LB? Now let's go alive. Okay. Alive. Jay-Z. And I'm not going to ask him, like, easy questions. I'm not going to ask him, like, what... I want to know his mindset with specific things. Like, have you so, watched Jay-Z in interviews? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you have a favorite one? Not uh, to put you on the spot, but. 
That's that's a tough question, man, because it, it seems as though he always evolves. There was this one that he did for the promo for 444 with Rap Radar. Fire. I love that one. Fire. Because he was really flexing. He, you could see overlooking the Malibu Fire. shores and just the way he was speaking. Jay don't sit down with everybody. I just love his evolution every time he speaks. So I wanted, like one question that I would definitely ask him is like, what would you say to yourself as a 50 plus year old man? What would you say to yourself as a 22 year old man? I just want to know what like the fork in the road is. I want to ask you, why do people like that question? Because I feel like not that decisions define you. Right. But I also know that as you get older, things that you've done younger, mm-hmm. it's like, why did I do that? Like, I want to know what the rationale is. And of course, you probably had like a serious rationale as to why you moment. did that. But I also find him interesting because, as you know, he's very observant. So I'm always interested to see how he perceives looking at. the digital era and how things have gone. Because he always has kind of been ahead of the curve. And what I do appreciate about him is that he's only gaudy in his lyrics. He's never gaudy like in real life. There's like, no need to flex. He don't flex no more. Yeah, he'll do like things quietly. So He don't even got an Instagram. I know. Think about that. No, no. That's really how I want to be. I'm so serious. Me I want to be ducked off and rich. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I'm and then rap a couple times? No, nah, I'm not rapping. I'm ducked off and I'm rich, man. Also, I, I think one, one really great question I would want to ask him is that, you know, especially like my old head friends are like, yo, why don't we, like, so the Nipsey song comes out two months ago, right? Mm. And it's for the uh, the the Black Panther movie, um, the, the Judas and the Messiah yeah. mm-hmm. and the Black Messiah. So when people hear that, they're like, yo, why, why he don't come with an album? And it's like, but that's well, not what he want to do. But what I'm saying is like, you know, like when you're in that space, people always are trying to figure out why you aren't doing something. Where it's like, yo, he's probably just in a different time of life. Maybe he has always used rap as a conduit to achieve the things that he wanted to, to have the type of freedom that he has. You know, so it's it's interesting. Um, you know, same thing that I feel like with refereeing, like I've kind of use that as a vehicle because I've always been creative. I just, I think for me and you, we have such a, a a plethora of different things that we like. So it's hard to find a niche in something to get notoriety mm-hmm. because like if I had a website about my brain, nobody would like it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because it, it's just all scatterbrain. It's all over the place. It's not anything that's cohesive. I basically use refereeing as like, I know people will like it and then branching it off to, to different things. But back to your question. Mm. Um, some good thing next person I would want to talk to, I want to talk to Tucker Carlson. Okay. From Fox News. All right. He's so confident in the things that he says. <laughs> and I just want to know his journalistic integrity. Does he really mean all this stuff? That in his heart, like I want to talk to him off air and say like, is that how you feel? Or is it like the persona of T- Tucker Carlson on Fox News at night? Is that something that like, like he feels like, it's a burden for him that he has to Do keep doing it. you think he that. would really tell you, though? No, but I'll ask him. I just wanted to ask you. Though. I'll hold him to task and, and see. You, you know. got to ask. You got to shoot your shot. Yeah, you got to shoot your shot. Of course, you got three more. I want to talk to Kalani. Yo, she's fire. Fire in everything. Fire. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love her. Yeah. You know, she has no all of these Instagram posts where um she wears like the, uh, the Rihanna Savage Fenty. Fenty. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I also find her such a introspective artist. And I want to know what motivates her because she sounds like she has a lot of tragedy. She sounds like she wears her heart on her sleeve. 
And I'm just interested to see what her whole like life story is and what got her to the way. And, you know, she also was at, at the time, I think she was like a middle of the pack artist. But I think she's, her. Do you feel like she's by Janae Iko or is that too much? I don't know. No, no, no. I don't. I don't. You don't want to put them together? No, because, because I, Janae's Iko is more. Well, I mean, what do you think? What do you think is. I like Kalani a lot. I think Kalani sings better than Iko. Iko Janae makes. Iko has more no, notoriety. Yeah, because she makes more like. Um, yeah. Melodic, like catchy beat. songs. Like, yeah. like kind of like Drake. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No? Yeah. Am I wrong? Yeah. I don't know. But <laughs> I just feel like Kalani has so much texture. I know what you're saying, though. I know what you're. There's yeah. layers to her, bro. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, I, I watched a few interviews on her. She's just that song she has with Russ. Oh yeah, yeah, fire. yeah, yeah, yeah. That song is fire. Great, great. It's just she, like if you open up her mind, like I agree with you. She's very creative, but she's so low key, right? In the same breath, which is why I would want to talk. But to she's kind of not low key because she has all she these is, tattoos but she's and she's not. But I know. In the same breath, she's an acquired taste too. Right, right. I know a lot of people. That's like Kalani. Eh. I could pass. I'm See, like, but I also no think way. she's like a, a like a really good singer, like a, like and she has like really deep lyrics. Yeah. But it, it's so hard to pinpoint her because she seems like such a crazy person, but she doesn't seem crazy at the same time. I know exactly. What so you're I saying. think like I really want to just speak to her and like talk to her in person, person. I think like that's what I feel like as a podcast host. Like I have no fear of speaking to anyone. Like, like if yeah. God was in front of me, I'd be like so. Um, Let's talk about. I want to be like yo. Third day, you met the sun and the moon, but then the sixth day, you said, "Let there be light." What was the son doing day three, day four, day five? Like, that's the type of questions I would ask. Can't be scared. All right, so I got Kalani, Tucker Carlson, and Jay-Z. And then those are pretty, like, different it's people okay, to though. talk to. I'm trying to think who else. I want to talk to Don Lemon. That's good. On CNN. That's really good. Yo, he... That? You know he got podcasts, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That would yeah. be good. I just I just enjoy his monologue, because he's just like, y'all, you come on. how much he make a year? Don't be duped, y'all. Don't be duped by this. Like he'll he'll put on like a little package and then he'll just like look at you with the side eye like, damn, that that command like first of all to have that primetime spot and be able to talk no pun intended, talk that talk. Literally. Right? I mean, you tell me, what do you think about Don Lemon? I think Don Lemon is dope. Yeah. I think he's for the culture. I think he's for us. And I think that they should never ever take his spot. Can't. You can't. Like there's, there's certain people that I like to get my news from, and that's something else I had learned in school. Like, when we're getting the news on the TV, the people, the reporters, that's not, they're like the middleman. Mm. I wasn't there. I'm telling you what happened from a credible source, right? But the way that Don Lemon just puts his his twist on things is so relatable, Yeah. right? And whether you want it or not, you, you're going to get it. Yeah. I agree, man. Like the whole pandemic, I, it was to me. It was like must see TV. Absolutely, that whole gauntlet of Chris Cuomo and then I thought he was gonna quit his job though over the pandemic. Why you say that? Because there were certain times where he came on TV and he just really seemed fed up. Mm. Just as a black man, he seemed fed up. And then you got to understand, like the callous that it just builds over your soul to be reporting these things back to back to back to back, and the way it kind of it numbs you in a way. So you mean to talk about like that whole moment of like. Ahmaud Arbery, everything. George Floyd, everything. pandemic, all of that. Yeah, just, it's all back to back. It was OD. It was out of control. I just felt like I knew there was going to be for sure one night where he's just going to walk upset. And I like how he plays around with people. Like, just so y'all know, there's a teleprompter, but 
I'm talking to you now. Yeah, you could tell. You could tell. Like, I don't need that. But he's so conversational. Yeah. You don't know if it's the teleprompter. I could tell when he's doing the teleprompter because he, his voice goes a certain it, way. It, 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 it yeah, switches yeah. in a way. But it's but not, It's it, if I it's had not, to, like, put a percentage on it, it's probably, it's like, crazy. 30% teleprompter, 70% him. Yeah. Which is great for which, a two-hour show. To. You got to have a script. Yeah. 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 And as you know, as a journalistic. Yeah, you got to have a script. <laughs> yeah. Finally, the, the last person I'd speak to is Donald Trump, bruh. I just want to understand. Stop it. I want to understand. I need you to pick another person. Nah. Waste your time. Why? Because you He's think he'll just. Office. What do you want to talk to him about? I just want him to say no one is better. Probably if I do a podcast, I'll probably have more more subscribers than you. Probably multiply that by three. <laughs> There's certain people. Some conversations that just. I mean, but I, I would listen to it. Mm. I listen to it. I don't know if I listen to the whole thing, but. I already know how I feel about him. Oh well, I'm I'm not you know I'm not trying to talk about like how I feel about him personally. Yeah, I just want to make what could he really say? Oh nothing. That would, <laughs> He's that, had his opportunity to my, say everything, and he just does it. My point, like there's nothing. Now, nah, but you remember that Axios interview that he had, no, and the dude it. was you never seen it. I don't think I saw. You got to see it with because um, what's his name, Jonathan Swan. Okay, he works for Axios. So one question he's last like so. Um, like what? Because because he, he was saying, oh, if if you look at we had no one had a better preparation. I mean, if you and he's like, how do you know? And he kept like going at him, like, where does it say that? And he's like, you know, this is you how Donald Trump was talking to him. No, no, this is how Jonathan Swan was oh, talking. So okay. he'll say like, yeah, no one's better than he's like better than who? Mm. He's like, you know, the uh, the world. Like what world? And he just was like, his, his brain was broken because no one has ever like said. Challenge let me follow like up by what you what are you saying right there. So that to me was a good one. But all right, let me now I gotta think. Another you don't have person. To, but if you I'm gonna support you. All right. Well that's your five, that's your five. Well, let me okay. It's a solid five. Yeah. It's a solid five for sure. Yeah, you just put in your, your personal feelings of Donald <laughs> Trump. Like I just want to speak to him. It's not personal, you just want to talk. I you know it. what? Somebody early on, I put on this very polarizing referee, and I got a lot of flack for it. And I never talked about this on air, but it was interesting because I was like I can't talk to Charles Manson in jail. Like that's a reflection on how I feel. Does that change my journalistic integrity? What if I talk to a person that's like been in jail for like eight, 80 years? I can't talk to this person. That person don't have a story. So you're being judged because of who you speak to. Yeah. But you know how the refereeing game is. Like you roll oh, with other him. Referees are judging yeah. you or judged. You well, I, I, I mean, I think it's water yeah, on the no, bridge no, no, no. now, but what I'm saying is like early on, I just found it interesting how the referee community acts when I'm I'm just a journalist right now, right? Like, yeah, yeah I'm a ref. Like, I could relate to you, but, I mean, why can't I talk to him? Why can't I find out about his story? I, I don't like that because I feel like as humans, and I say this all the time, we like to judge people, right? And the thing is, we don't understand things until it's done to us. Yeah. Right? Like, I can tell you, Ralph, if you touch this, you're going to get burned. Like, I don't believe it. Yeah. When you touch that, and you go, oh, that that really happened. I just told you that, right? So, to me, you can judge somebody. I don't even really feel like it's judging. You're just ignorant. You don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like there are different situations, and and what you're doing, they just don't understand it. And it's cool. You're not supposed to. Like I can talk to whoever I want to, and everybody has a story. Like it's so crazy. Like you'll talk to people and they say, "Come on the podcast." And they're like, we're not going to have anything to talk about. And I ask you five things. You're like, wow, I never thought about that. But I thought you said you had nothing to talk mm. about. And you like that challenge, right? 
I thought you said you had nothing to talk about. Yeah. So you just woke up and just had money? You just woke up and you had kids? You just woke up and was right here? Everybody got a story. Yeah, that's true, man. And and the thing is, you can't tell me that your story is whack. You got to dress it up. Right. I can't dress up your story. I'm just here to ask the questions. Mm-hmm. Make it appealing to me. Yeah. Speaking of appealing more questions, what else you got for me? Um, If you could create a studio. This guy's really asking me some questions here. If you could create a studio, how mm-hmm. would it look? <sighs> okay, so... This give me, is a give, very give me give me colors. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a very like so. You you just saw the chop shop. Yeah, yeah, I know. I like it all like red, like dark red. Yeah, you like the lights kind of feel. I like music loud. Okay. I like uh, so I work in like chaos. So oh, so you're doing a lot of things at one time. So for the longest time, like my north star, my guiding album light. And I don't really mess with this dude, Jesus. Oh wow, Jesus is like, you hear it loud. It is so. It is so jarring to hear. Mm. Like I remember the first time I heard it, I played it with my wife. I'm like, yo, this sounds sonically fire, but it's just so vulgar. (laughs) It's just like, nah, I got to turn this off. This is not, this is not. (laughs) So I didn't listen to it for like a year. And then I think I listened to a podcast with Chuck Klosterman, who's like one of these like pop, pop culture experts. And he intertwines it with sports. And he's very interesting. He has all of like these philosophical books, New York times bestseller. Um, Somebody asked him on a podcast, like, what do you think is like the most seminal album in the past 20 years? He's like, I got to say it's like this, this, this white dude from like Wisconsin or something. And he was like, Jesus. And he's like, why? He's like, because it's like, if you listen to it sonically, like it's, it's over the moon and just the way things are made, you could tell that Kanye West took the biggest risk ever of his career. And you knew like it was either sink or swim and he was killing so, like, I listened to that within that prism. Okay. And I was like, I never felt more creative in my life. You and know what I'm saying? The album just made you feel that way. Yeah, because it was just so scattered. It's everywhere. It was dark. Mm. It, it was just vulgar. It just was like, this guy is like, I don't know. I don't even know if it was pain or happiness or, like, I couldn't even pinpoint it. But I just know the way I was writing, I just felt so inspired. Okay. So, when I hear that album... It really brings me to a place. And I also listen to like a lot of Sade. I listen to a lot of like R&B music. I don't Love know R&B. why. So that that always uh, makes me go. Probably have two roadcasters. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mics on deck. Turntables. Big ass TV. Mm. Um, just one? <sighs> if it's just one, just tell me. I'm just asking. Yeah, I think, I think one. Okay. I think one. I'm in, a, in, in my computer, man, just just boogieing. I mean, I already kind of have it, but I just have to make it look nicer. But I also want to have like a spot where we can record the podcast and it looks good for Absolutely. Instagram Live and all that stuff. Uh, but that's that's it. It's pretty simple. Mm. I'm working towards it. I, like I know you're working towards it, too. That's it, man. We got to stay <laughs> cooking up, right? Yeah. yeah. What else you got? Um, Is that it? I, I would say I think you're good right now. All right, cool. Yeah. So we're going to wrap this up. We're going to do a part two where we do ask you. Referee questions. Absolutely. Are you, are you still in a refereeing right now? Do I still like it? I know you like it, but do you see in the foreseeable future that you're going to ref it anytime soon? It's very doable. Um, I think that I'll just have to figure out how to schedule it, put it into my schedule, I would say. You know what I think, and I'm just saying this because I, I'm just thinking about your situation. No, talk to me. I feel like you should ref because it'll fortify your connection to other things that you do. I mean, that's all I'm going to say. And I'm not saying it because I I've think you could be the. I thought about that 100. It's. 
I mean, that's obvious, but in the same breath, too, refereeing takes so much time. That's true. You know what I mean? Oh, my God. My phone just dropped. It's you not see like that? you just take a jet to the game and take a jet home. Yeah, you're right. It's it's a whole situation. But I, I was literally just talking to Troy about that the other day. He said, man, when when you going to get back to that? Man, soon. So I would love to be a journalist just like you, a journalist that reps. But uh, I don't know. I just got to figure out how I would really want that to go. I think it's a weird gravitational pull because referees, too. It's so demanding. And we never thought about talking. Like, I really feel like I changed the game where, like, refs are okay with talking about stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, before it wouldn't happen. And, like, the confluences of, like, you know, Asian Americans getting hated on and yeah, George Floyd. Crazy. Now it's like, what, referees don't matter, too? You know what I'm saying? And they never did. Yeah. Except to the outside. Yeah. But I think we got a story to tell, and you got one, too, man. Yo, man, it's been a pleasure speaking to you, and I'm going to leave some more meat on the bone so we can do the part two Right, and we talk about your whole come up and reffing, man. But I thank you. I look forward to collaborating with you in the future. Any final words you want to say before we part ways? Nah, man, I appreciate you. I'm glad we were able to sit down and really do this and continue to grind and put the pressure on yourself to be great, man. You know what I'm saying? This guy looking straight at me. If you do five a week, do ten. Oh. Maybe you got to cut down on that reffing. That's all I got to (laughs) say. Rob Bruin. Yeah. Ralph, uh, the journalist. This is the rant. We are out. Peace.